Well, hello and welcome to a midweek webcast from the ANF Network. My name is Al Coates and I'm with uh, my colleague here. Fiona Wells. Fiona Wells. Um, I have to apologise because Scott is not here today. And uh, I have a small statement from Scott. Um, it's Jacob's birthday and I forgot when we agreed the date. I apologised for my tardy behaviour. But in my defence, I'd be doing this on a... When I'd been doing this on a Wednesday because that's when we normally do them. I blame <laughs> the organizer, which is me. So, what he's saying is he's oh. sorry, but it's my fault. He's sorry. Yeah. Um, which is wonderful. Well, hello, Fiona. Anyway, Hi. crack on. Hello, how are you? I'm great. <laughs> oh, like I said, like a woman on the edge. Um, <laughs> good stuff. Um, so, um, uh, we ch- we've been chatting. Um, a few mo- we you came on a few months ago, probably in May, wasn't it? I think. Yeah, and you've been yeah. back on since then. Um, and the original reason you came on was in terms of uh, your you'd kind of collated this report, which was the views of people who were express experiencing really challenging times. I'm trying to think of the word there. Challenging times in their experience of being adoptive parents and their families were struggling and find themselves in crisis. So you wrote a report which was entitled um, uh, The Adoption Crisis, The Jarring Reality of Adoption. Um, So tonight we thought it'd be good to get you on and to kind of get an update and see, well, actually what has happened since then? Because we can sort of fire these reports out into the, and I know you've sent it everywhere. And, and, oh, yeah. to everywhere, oh, and to everywhere, everywhere's brother. Um, and so just to get a catch up of where where that's gone and what kind of the feedback and what, what and where are we going beyond that as well. But before we start, how's things with you? Um, well, I'm still fighting the fight of getting support for my kids uh, and for me. Um, it, it's a never ending battle. I wake up thinking about it, go to sleep thinking about it. Mm-hmm. dream about it you know it, it, how do you live in crisis and function well I'm still breathing I'm still working I'm still podcasting I'm still here yeah. um, you know and and I think in a way my what I've decided is now deemed patch my mission is is very much something that keeps me going because I know that there's so many people such as myself who are struggling with such adversities that is the trauma of of their children, you know, living with children who've lived through trauma. Um, And I just feel that I am a massively gobshitey person who who will, who doesn't really care. I don't really care what people think um, about about me being loud and brash and who I am. and, And what have I got to lose? There's so many people who are, who've, who are in secondary trauma because of their children's behaviour. That's not about blaming the children. That's about being acknowledging that the children have lived through such significant trauma that the result of their trauma is, is a, impacts on their emotional functioning, their emotional well-being and their mental health, et cetera, and so on. And I'm not a therapist, so I'm not going to go down that route. But it's... It's never ending, and if less you treat the trauma, you, you're going to be picking up the pieces. And, and and you know, with my LA, I'm not going to go into that. But let's just say I'm I'm not impressed, and yeah. um, it it's a fr- it's so frustrating. However, yeah. 
the crisis report was so powerful. Um, so many people read it. Thousands, thousands of people have read it, commented, agree with it, pushing for the change that I've since read, uh, sorry, since written um, some prevention plans that I've also sent out to all the VIPs, which have um, also been commented on. So things like, you know, really, really listening to families in crisis. Um, and I'm not going to go into all those steps because that's not yeah. what we need to talk about. But, but it was well received and it did go out there and, and, uh, and I'm really impressed with it and proud of, you know, all the support such as yourself, Al, um, and other people that, you know, we've got such a, a, a positive from it. Yeah. I mean, thank you. Um, I guess there's a lot to unpack in all of that, all of what you said there. Cause I think that the reality yeah. for a lot of families is that this stuff doesn't, it's just, it's all consuming. And, and you, I was reading something that about child to parent violence and aggression, which is often a, a huge component part of, the crisis and the, the adversity that families are facing. And um, it, it was, it was fantastic. It was from the adoption barometer and it was um, written by Becky Brooks and it described this, how we so easily want to slip into um, victim and perpetrator. Uh, and, and it's just, they're just not helpful phrases. No, it's, not. it's these systems become incredibly sort of difficult to unpick because of, the people are behaving out so outside of norms because of their experience, you know, that, and I guess this is all, we're talking about this in the context of adoption. And so we're not trying to downplay any other people's experience of adversity, but so have you, I know we were talking before we came on air and you were talking about how, you know, just again, seeing families struggle with a lack of system thinking from post-adoption support as they come into homes and, Tell me what you were saying, because it was really interesting. So I, ju I just think that there the still isn't the listening. You know, uh, children's social care, um, which I know very well, um, has such power and such ability to be such a positive element to society. Yet, it's for, for a lot of families, it's mapped out wrong. And, and I'm talking about adopters and adopted children. When we get a social worker or a social worker comes along and I'm, and I'm speaking on the masses, there's, a, there's an emphasis of, right, what can we find that the parents aren't doing properly? What can we find that's not functioning? What can we find that we can unpick? And actually, you need to go back to the start of the journey, but not my journey as an adopter, the child's journey. If you don't acknowledge and unpick the trauma that the child suffered, then the, the support is irrelevant because you're not looking at it. You're not looking at it in full focus. That microscope needs to come out and the journey of that child needs to be heard, needs to be understood and unpicked. You know, a lot of child protection work, a um, lot of uh, proceedings work looks at impact. What is the impact on a child? through the behaviour, treatment of their parents. Um, you know, children are removed because the impact to them is too grave. Mm -hmm. Okay, so if that's if that's a main focus in court proceedings, child protection proceedings, et cetera, why isn't it a main focus when we're looking at why a child is behaving adversely? Because surely there's the core. That's the core element. 
They are reacting to the world around them because of the early life treatment they have experienced and suffered. It's that simple. Yet yeah. we're overcomplicating it. We're going straight to the parents, we're looking at the parents. Yes, we'll have to start therapy with you because you're the ones we have to change. I'm not going to get into the debate around what therapy should or shouldn't do. But if you've got an adult and a parent in crisis because of their child's behavior, they're not going to be brain ready for therapy that's about their child. Actually, they need therapy to be about how they are and how they're feeling. I think, I mean, that's one of my challenges, or the one of the things I feel really quite strongly about is that often when we're as a practitioner, because you're a practitioner as well. I mean, I've, I didn't introduce the beginning. You know, you're an adoptive parent to three, three children. You're a, so you're an adoptive parent. You're a social worker, and you are adopted yourself. Yes. So yeah. you kind of you are you tick every box around the coffee table, don't you? You've sat in every seat. Um, Absolutely. And sometimes all at the same time. Um, I'm sure. Um, but I was thinking that the one of the complications of practitioner coming into what can often fe- can often be a chaotic environment is that you're trying to you're trying to sort the wheat from the chaff what is going on here and often you see adults who are how are functioning out of their own secondary trauma who are trying to just navigate through incredibly complicated experiences and incredibly complicated behavior from a position of fear anxiety and stress so it just it does look pretty, it can look quite bad Huh. Yes, but but for me, it's overcomplicated. Let's strip it back. Let's make it as simple and as basic as you need to. I don't want to hug my child today because yesterday they hit me. I struggle to give my child a hug because I don't know what I'm getting back. Right, yeah. and, and I'm not, and I'm and I'm talking from experience. It's not easy to hug my children sometimes because. They're not always nice to me and their behavior can be erratic. They are beautiful, wonderful kids. And I absolutely love yeah. the bones of them. Don't like their behavior towards me. I'm sorry. I'm a human being. Right. So let's yeah. strip that back. What is that parent experiencing? If you want to fix a family in crisis, you have to hear what the parents are saying. They're the ones living in it. And too often or not, we're asking the children what they're feeling and hearing when the children have been through trauma and don't understand it themselves. Well, that's interesting because I'm an NVR practitioner. And one of the one of the things that we talk about is the difference between, I mean, we're totally not even near what was on the agenda to talk to today. We'll, we'll, we'll move on quickly. But this idea of that, that there's this often children speak with an orchestra of voices in that you can ask a child the same question five times a day and you'll get a totally different answer because of their experience, because of their sense of self, the sense of who you are, who the world is, all of that kind of complicated stuff that goes on in them. So we have to be really cautious when talking to children. We should be anyway, but especially children have experienced trauma. We've got to be really cautious. Um, surely. Absolutely. Absolutely. I think, I think I'm quite fortunate, although I don't feel it very often. Um, my children are always really honest. Um, they lie in the moment, they lie around the moment, but but after the moment, and yeah. they will t- say, yeah, oh my God, yeah, it was horrible to my mum. You know, they will say, yes, I've done this, and yes, I've done that. And other people are sitting there going, wow, you know, that's yeah. extreme. 
you know, so I am fortunate in that, that my children will sit and have a conversation about the way they're treating me and we'll talk about it and we won't unpick it. I'm not a therapist. I've tried to do direct work with my kids. It doesn't work. Oh, And I I can say to them, you know, it's the, I love you and I will always love you, but I don't like what you've just done, you know, and I'm not a therapeutic parent and I'm not, um, I am in. Well, you are. I was going to say, yeah. I am, and I'm not. I do. I do a lot of things naturally that that I give myself a hard time about. But actually, if you put it on paper, I probably could analyze it that it was therapeutic parenting. Um, I'm also still here. <laughs> well, um, I think parent therapeutic parenting is a bit. Uh, there's a bit of mythology because no one really knows what it is. And if you ask, it depends on which book you've read. What's therapy? And I think it's mostly just people doing their best. And, yeah. But I, I'm going to move you on because um, yes. I'm conscious we we could go down that rabbit hole and we'd never come out. Yeah. Um, uh, so the the report that you wrote uh, briefly, could you kind of summarise it just in a minute and then tell us where where it actually has gone to? Love the fact you're using the word briefly there. Um, yes, yeah, so it's <laughs> it a hint. Uh, there is a hint there, isn't there? Um, so we've had some really good uh, response from Adoption UK. Um, very, very welcoming and warm towards some of the stuff that I said and have done and invited me to the launch of the barometer where I took my MP um, who, who met me in London and he introduced me to um, the old, not old, that's the wrong word, the last children's minister. Yeah. Um, oh, it's, I've forgotten it. Timpson, Edward Timpson. Yeah. And then there was uh, Claire Cortino who's the current children's minister and lots of other very important people, including Scott. Let's not forget. I met Scott there for the first time. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, and Mike Rubino, who is the chair of adoption UK and Emily Frith, who's the CEO, yeah. etc. But he also went to important people at the department of education and the, um, I also got the report in front of the principal social worker who's read it. Um, and Sarah Jahal, who's Al's going to say what her title is. She's I, the yeah, she's the national very important. National, well, she's the national adoption strategic lead, um, working with the RAs, and so she's sort of uh, she's maybe a kind of a the cog in the wheel, isn't she? In the sense that she's probably got the levers to change things and yes. influence things. Not maybe yes. on a not on a policy, not on a legislation level but on a policy kind of best practice level which is real but i did ask you to summarize that what the what was the gist of the report really as well because what Um, what were you giving to people if people have not heard the previous one what were you giving to them what was the kind of the the punches from this report so the so the report what you mean the the topic yeah the topic what was the all the findings the the recommendations the topic was that um parents in crisis are being um blamed judged and um let down by the system so um there's lots lots of families out there who've 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 adopted children loved their children provided for their children and then when struck down with this adverse behavior that's actually you could plan for it given the trauma that children have been through Mm. and when they can't manage instead of being supported and strengthened and um refocused and you know given respite etc 
they're judged, blamed, and the you know awful yeah. things have been happening. So it was about shining the light on that, and a lot of people came forward and wanted to contribute, and even more so afterwards, who said this is awful. We are we are being condemned. We are being it's oppressive. I mean, it is oppressive. It's absolutely oppressive, and I stand by that. And I and I would love to stand in front of a room of people in lo, you know local authorities who are who's who've set against on proceedings against some of these families because it's horrendous. Yeah. Um, and there's such a lack of understanding. And I'm thinking I'll start saying being brief. Um, so that, no, so no, that no, basically it, it, we brought, I brought it all together. It was, it was heartbreaking. It was shocking. The contributions I got off people were amazing and they mm. really gave every view point possible of what is going wrong in this moment of this, you know, where adopters reach crisis, we are being failed. So then reflecting back on what all the people you saw, you've then put this to, and I was just looking on the stats because I put it on my web, my blog as well. And I got nearly 4,000 downloads, which is a lot of people. Yeah. Which is, you know, and, and then that, that, and I know you sent it out to probably the same amount again. Um, when you speak to someone like the current children's minister, what, you know, sometimes politicians can be a bit politician-y. What were they saying? What, what were they, was it platitudes or was it genuine kind of like, really? Wow. Well, it was obviously extremely busy and I, and I kind of feel like it was somewhere in the middle. Um, right. she listened, uh, but I know what her to-do list must look like. So, you yeah. know, I'm sure there's plenty of other things that seem more important or are more important, you know, and I, and I, and I don't hold anything against her for that, but, it, but I suppose, it, you know, she moved on quickly and I, and, and I felt like this, this needs to be done properly. This needs somebody to take this, this, this point of crisis for families and it's not just adopters, it's families through SGO, fostering, long-term fostering, kinship care, who are also struggling with the same adverse behaviour who are being failed. So it's about it's about somebody taking note and saying, actually, we just need a whole strategic new plan uh, and putting into place but by utilising the different voices. And that doesn't have to be the voices that I've brought together, but voices, you know, people in the know, people who are going to bed every night exhausted because they've lived through crisis that that year. Mm. Yeah. So um, I was with you at a few meetings and I think there was a, there was a few things that, that still kind of ring true. And one was, I think, the meeting with Sarah Jahal, where she was very, which I think was really interesting because she talked about what was, she received the report really well, but it what didn't necessarily come as a shock to her. Yeah. And we got that from everybody, which I was really mixed emotions about. It saddened yeah. me because everybody was like, yeah, no, we agree, it's awful. But can I say this? No, I am. But it's <laughs> funny how... <laughs> well, <laughs> now... <laughs> Real-time filter. Um, <laughs> the voices in your head. <laughs> yeah. Um, I went to my local authority, uh, and whilst there was a level of acknowledgement, there wasn't what I was getting from the hierarchy. So whilst my local authority acknowledged some of the issues and I went, we had a face-to-face -face meeting, 
it was pushed past. Oh, yes, yes, yes. We're going to do something. You know, oh, we've already put stuff in place. No, you haven't, because I'm one of your adopters and I'm on the receiving end and I'm not yeah. receiving any any support for my crisis. So I felt that the, the VIPs in the world of adoption were on it, were listening, they understood. They, but, you know, they're, they're in quicksand in a way because time's against them, they can't put change in. Whereas local authorities could implement change a bit faster because... They, you know, the, the strategies are not fixed concrete that, you know, there's a little bit of movement there. Yeah. And what was, yeah. And it, it, there was a few interesting things that I thought were really specific because it's sometimes it's, it's hard to, we've talked a lot about well, what do we want? We want something tangible that we can kind of come away and go, well, we got something or we got a commitment to something. And I think the one thing that I recall, I don't know about you, but was the Sarah Jahal talking about this, how, post-adoption support and children's safeguarding or children and families teams, how they interact. There was just such a patchwork of sometimes they just never, don't even know each other exists almost. Yeah. Uh, and sometimes there was good relationships. And what were your reflections on that? Because that was that felt like a real spark of something interesting. Yeah. And, and I think, you know, RAAs were formed to bring a better supporting system to adoption. You know, yeah. a, a, a a bigger world, as it were, bringing agencies together. Uh, and I'm sorry, but it, it's I find it I, in my area, and I, and I know that other people aren't experiencing this, but there is such a disjointed approach, and I don't understand how you can how you can have one part of your local authority because they're interconnected. And another part of your local authority, which are dealing with the same things so far away. And there's loads of ways of, of, of reducing that impact by having a lead person who's, you know, who's understands the experience of adopters. You know, what, what really frustrates me is there's loads of us out there who live with this, this experience, who are fighting against this experience for ourselves and our children, yet we're not being utilised. Yeah. We're not being utilised by our, our, our AAs or our local authorities to educate the social workers who are coming out to see us. Because I can tell you, I've met so many who don't understand, do not understand the impact of what trauma has on a family. Yeah. And but they, know to, they know how to write it in their assessments and talk about what the future looks like for this child, but they don't understand when a family's in that position. But I mean, I like we're both social workers. We've both been through the. I, I did the degree. I don't know what did you do the degree or the master's or yeah, yet. So, degree, yeah. and it's a three year course and it's cradle to grave. So it covers law, social policy, everything. And actually, when you when you sort of cut it down to the amount of work actually done on something like trauma in families, it's, it's hardly anything because you, you're covering so much other stuff. And it feels like that we've got a workforce that uh, you know that there are you know. There are, I've had some amazing social workers who really yeah, know their there stuff. there are amazing social workers. You know, you know, it's ourselves included. Um, I am. Yeah. But that, that actually, I feel like it's, a, it's an, a, the previous government strategy for adoption had workforce development as like a key pillar. And it was kind of just gone. That actually, we, we need to take, if you work in adoption or you're working with families, you know, forget adoption, working with families, you need to understand the impact of adversity, not just in the instant, but how that then 
spills into families and just totally unravels everybody. And, and it, do you know what? It's, it's probably one of the simplest things in the world. If you go through something traumatic, there's an impact. That impact needs therapy, time, healing, something. Okay, so if, say if you have a car crash, you don't just automatically get through the car crash. So if I had a car crash and I'm 46 years old, it might take me a while to get through that physically, mentally, emotionally. So yeah. how am I expecting, and how are the professionals around me expecting, a child who's gone through trauma at six months old, at two years old, expected to heal themselves? Oh, well, you know, we'll give you a lovely family and then you'll heal yourself. It doesn't work. You know, <laughs> and, and, and some of the people I've spoken to are therapists who are brilliant, intelligent, wonderful people, you know who you are, um, have empowered me into because they've shared their wisdoms and their words with me around how this is imperative that the world rejigs itself to understand that trauma can't be healed by love. So we are not failing our children as adopters. We're not. I'm not failing my children because I can't always manage and I can't always cope. I'm not failing my children because I need a break sometimes. What's failing my children is somebody expected love to heal them and it doesn't work. That, yeah, that's a really powerful statement because I think that the, that we can often pay lip service that, that, yeah, we don't believe that. But actually, I think that is just the kind of the foundation level of just a bit of time and a bit of love and a, you know, good routines and, and I consistent believed, parenting. I believed it. Uh, you know, I'm not being <laughs> I still believe it. We need to believe people. And, and, and listening to somebody who's been through something is the way of learning about it. And that's why people who've lived through crisis with whatever situation should be heard. So whether that's because they've, they've, they're heroin addicts and they've had their children removed, they should be sat in front when they, you know, life has healed itself a bit. They should have that experience of talking to social workers so social workers can learn better to how to help people in the future. So, yeah. so, so me as an adopter who's lived through quite crisis, who's adopted, who recognises how different their, my children's adoption was, you know, and who's a social worker and, and hates working with children, uh, families in crisis now, you know, we just need to go back to basics. Well, I mean, this, I do agree there is something to be said in that, but I do think we also need really good qualif good therapeutic social workers, social Absolutely. workers with the skills we need. And um, we, one of the other reasons we're coming on today is that we, or you, or us, or whoever. We, we. We. Okay, we. We'll, we'll roll with we, see how that fares. Um, we have put together a kind of a, a next step, really, which is in terms of trying to get a measure of people's experience in crisis, in terms of how they interact with services that are there to support. Is that a fair way of putting it? A service there Absolutely, to support them? Yeah. Um, so we've put together an anonymous um, sort of survey, 10 questions, really simple, ticky box questions. And then the 11th question is, tell us what you want to say. Um, and we're asking people to fill it in. Um, shall, I go, shall I read the, the questions? Or shall I yeah. just... So the first children is, well, when did you adopt your children? And then, um, and then the, the second one is, do you feel your family's experienced post-adoption crisis? Um, asking people to explain what that means. Did you seek support? Who did you seek support from? How would you rate that support? How difficult was it to ask for it? Were you satisfied? 
bit more information. And then um, just a few kind of more questions about what the outcome was. Um, but I guess that is in part to sort of, to my thinking, and you please add to it, is that just to get a real understanding of people's actual experiences, because I've got, I could draw on, like you, dozens of anecdotes, but actually there's very, there's not an awful lot of actual data out there, is there? No, and, and there needs to be, you know, how can we measure something if we've got nothing to measure it by? You know, I know Julie Selwyn did a report in 2014, but we've not had anything since. And and, yeah. I, and I have not been in this, this world, this side of the world for very long, but I, I, I was shocked when I realised that the LAs and the RAAs and all the other people involved don't tick a box to say adoption crisis or breakdown or you know there's no col- uh, oh gosh what word was I trying to say uh, collection of data I'm sure there's a possible way of saying it but I ain't posh um there's I'm sure there's a there's a way there should be a way and there isn't and how are we supposed to know what how many of us that are but I mean I know that there's hundreds and potentially thousands of yeah. people and I would have thought thousands but uh, but also SGO carers and and, and foster carers and you know we're, we're all living with with childhood trauma the impacts immense yeah and i think like you said that we so often we're we're look we're talking about something that is kind of has lots of sort of blurred edges so like you said disruption or breakdown is disruption before adoption order breakdown post adoption order and then but what does breakdown look like is it a kind of a total kind of severance of relationship with a child or is it parenting from a distance and, and that, that again is something that's done wrong you know that needs to change because you know because of because a family can't manage and things have to be put into place to to help them manage doesn't mean to say that they don't want their kids it's just that the, the living environment's toxic and it's awful and it's shame you know it's such a shame for everybody but nobody started out on this journey to to end up separated nobody you know that's not the purpose you know and that for me is my worst case scenario and 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 I've already experienced a little bit of it and I hate it I hate it I hate it I hate it but I am one person and one parent with three children and I can't manage everything and and, I know I was going to sidetrack them so I'm going to stop myself bring myself back (laughs) stay on target um, yeah. But I think there was one of the, I can't remember who we were talking to, but we were talking to, um, I think it maybe was Sarah Jahan. We It was a really good chat. There's a few of the um, different strategic RAA leads there. Um, and they were talking about that actually this, the, the tragedy of this is that professionals find this really hard as well, that actually they were sort of reflecting that this is probably some of the most upsetting stuff that so- social workers have to deal with as well, which kind of plays into the whole complexity of asking for help of people who are struggling with what's going on as well. Yeah. So, so my, I've heard, you know, adoption crisis in, in an office that my managers always knew to stay away from that for me. And some of the conversations I found really hurtful, even though, you know, my colleagues have always been and are wonderful, brilliant people, but it, it's, I suppose it's the stereotype. Oh wow, you know, this journey was too hard for them. 
well, I'll tell you what, come and live in my shoes for a day and, I, and, and experience what I experience on, a, on my worst day and tell me that, you know, this wasn't meant for me. I think the world yeah. needs to have a little bit more of a car. You know, if they're if they're on the edge of this of the world of adoption, so whether they're a, a social work, a family finder, a social worker who does uh, adoption assessments, a social worker in a child protection team or a child assessment uh, duty and assessment team, I think they need to have a word with themselves and say, actually, we need to listen more because. And and I'm going to say this, but you know, even on my in my connections with people I know and adore through social work, they're not that interested in hearing things. And they're not that interested because it makes them feel uncomfortable because they don't understand it and they don't want to understand it because actually they can write all day long about impact of, of child abuse, but but actually they don't want to see it. You know, They don't want to look. There's so many edges to this, but it's very simple. It comes back. It comes back. Deal with crisis differently. Be trauma informed and stop blaming parents for not managing when probably nobody could manage. And it's too hard. And don't blame the children and don't blame the parents. Oh, that's a fantastic um, point to probably start to wrap up. We've done. We've we've gone on and on about all of that stuff. I mean, it's it's such a something we both feel really passionate about and um, we'll put the link to the survey in the show notes and also we'll post it through different socials through i'm not sure do we call it twitter anymore through x no, no you're not down with the i'm kids not like down with the twitter no no um but we'll put it through facebook because that's where, where those old people go to as well um and threads even you won't even know what threads is don't don't overcomplicate things i'm simple and then we'll sort of start to hopefully be, and we encourage people again, as I say, it's anonymous. People can be honest and open and um, just really start to try and, and it's not, it's not a, we're not forming a baton to beat social workers over because. It's not both, about that. That's not where we're at. It's not at about all. that. We want um, better support. We want it to be more in line with what's going on, but, uh, but please do the survey. Please bring that information to our door. Please tick those boxes or don't tick the boxes or write loads or don't write loads. We need to know, but but also share it with people who you know are affected by uh, adoption yeah. or who live in the world of adoption. You know, we, we need to get this data to give us a window. Yeah. And then we'll play into things like Sarah, we can share that with people like Sarah Jahal who can then use it in terms of how we how we get liaisons, protocols between social care and RAAs um, and use it to kind of just as leverage to better support social workers. Because I always reflect there's nothing worse in the world than as a social worker going into an environment and you've been told you can't do anything or this you've got, you know, and I think there's a lot of times social workers, as a social worker, when I've had to do that, where I've been told by a manager, there's nothing, just go and, go and tell them there's nothing. And that Often social workers can know what what is needed, but there are their hands are tied, and that's me trying to redeem any bad feelings social workers have got if they're listening. But, but we've been fine. And, and that's and that's happened to me, unfortunately. You know, people coming out and giving me the indication that that they're sorry because they can't do more. Yeah, totally. And um, well, on that note, on that bombshell, um, Fiona. Look after yourself. 
Um, we well, will no doubt speak again. And definitely. Um, thank you so much for coming on. I'll have to keep my mouth shut a bit more next time. It's fine. It's fine. You are what you are. You are. You is what yeah, you is. Big dog. <laughs> You're a social worker, man. Talkative, <laughs> chatty. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> okay. Bye bye. Thanks. Bye.